The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. And now it's time for a Deep South legend that's been keeping it real here in Atlanta for over two decades. It's the Buck Baloo Show, only on The Fan. from 680 Studios in the Battery Atlantis, the Buck Baloo Show. Here on the fan, 680 and 93.7. Let's get a new year started. What do you say? On this, what do we got here? Tuesday, January the 2nd, 2024. Engineer Ryan Hopper today. Ryan, we appreciate you being here. Producer Adam Road Dog Gillespie. In the house today. And DT, uh, typically our engineer, already taking vacation days. And as I walked in the offices this morning, I was wondering, as it, I saw the sales staff meeting going on and half those chairs were empty. And it looked like Colin was giving the troops in there a one of those big-time motivational speeches on how 2024 was going to be awesome. And we got to buckle down. And we got to do better than we did last year. And boy, they were high-fiving on the way out of there. But I noticed not everybody was there. And here's the thing I'm a little confused about. Here we are January 2nd, second day of the new year. And people are already taking vacation days? Now, you're free to take it whenever you want. But on the second day of the new year? And if you are taking that vacation day on January the 2nd, I'm guessing most likely you're trying to get over the hangover from January 1st. Road Dog, is that's what's... Is that uh, what is going on here? So you party down so hard on January the 1st or New Year's Eve that you need to take a vacation day on January the 2nd? I guess so. You got to get that recovery in. Or maybe you were at the playoff games yesterday and you haven't made it back from the Sugar Playoffs. or the uh, Rose Bowl. Uh, I'm not sure where these people are. I mean, seriously. I mean, my goodness. I am... I am so protective of the vacation days. I'm afraid of running out if I start taking vacation days on January the 2nd. I'm just saying. All right, let's get to work. Time for the big bucks. Big take. I was wrong, but I sure was entertained. Both national semifinals were spectacular. Love the drama. Both games came down to the final play of the game. Does it get any better than that? Now, I had Bama and Texas advancing, so I was a loser on that prediction. But the Natty will be Michigan and Washington. And the Wolverines took down Alabama because of three big factors. Number one, that Michigan defensive line and front seven, for the most part, was rock solid. Number two, Michigan offensive coordinator Sharon Moore 
put on a clinic with his pre-snap shifts that left the Crimson Tide defense wondering who to cover from the first quarter through overtime. And then number three, Tide offensive coordinator Tommy Reese was awful. And what was that final play of the game in overtime? What was that? Talk about awful. That may have been the worst play call that I have ever seen in the game of football. And I'm talking youth league, middle school, high school, college or pro. Have never seen a worse play call than that. Basically, you had a shotgun quarterback sneak trying to run it straight through the strength of the Michigan defense. You can't make this stuff up. I did some see some defenders online saying that uh, Jalen was supposed to go out to the left and because of the snap, he panicked and just went straight. Uh, and if you look at the play, the left was open, and there was an opening for him to go to, and it would have been uh, could have been a touchdown. But we'll never know. A shotgun quarterback sneak directly at the best player on the Michigan defense makes no sense. There, those are excuses, right there, Road Dog. You're bringing up. Down goes Bama. And then in the nightcap, Michael Penix Jr. put on a spectacular show, picking apart the Longhorn secondary, going 28 to 39 for 430 yards and two touchdowns. He wasn't sacked once. Penix Jr. is sensational inside the pocket, a magician. Composed, elusive, fearless, and deadly accurate. He's been gifted. God gifted Michael Penix Jr. with these things you can't teach. And yes, he would look great in a Falcons uniform. The Huskies and the Natty. Wow. Never thought I'd see that. But we're going to see it Monday night in Houston. And it will be the first time in nine years the Natty will not include a team from the SEC. Instead, it will feature two teams that are 14-0. and 0. And I can't wait to see it. How about you? And there's the Big Take. Road Dog, in this new year, do we have a sponsor for the Big Take? Yeah, Daco heat, uh, Systems Heating and okay, Air. Okay, we still got Daco Systems Heating and Air, right. They are keeping Atlanta comfortable one day at a time. More information at DacoSystems.com. Yeah, just two spectacular national semifinal games, man. I mean, my goodness, it just can't get any better than that. Both games coming down to the final play. And we've been conditioned to expect a couple of blowouts. At least one of these blow games are going to be blowouts. And look, I am just, uh, you know, some things, uh, you know, as far as the football goes, it was awesome. Some of the things as far as the broadcast of the game, not so awesome. I'm convinced that ESPN, the on-air talent for the Rose Bowl, 
They are getting paid bonuses by every mention that they throw out about how wonderful the Rose Bowl is. The San Gabriel Mountains in the background. Oh, the granddaddy of them all. How about that parade? And look at the sun setting here in Pasadena, California. And let's get to the bands. Oh, doesn't get any better than that. I mean, my goodness. I mean, Fowler and Herb Street. Good to see they took care of Herb Street's dog out there again. I tell you, Bo was watching the game with me at home with the family, and Bo was a little jealous of this treatment that Herb Street's dog is getting. Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. And they are paying out bonuses, man, for every mention they get. You don't get this out of the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. I mean, you just don't get, oh, the aroma of Bourbon Street. Oh, the Superdome. My goodness, look at the lighting inside the Superdome. And check out the bands. Whoa. The aroma of bourbon. The Sugar Bowl. The most exciting bowl game in the history of the game. Well, in the defense, the aroma of Bourbon Street is basically throw up. So I don't know if anybody's looking to light that candle. No, you can hear, you can smell the liquor. No, I'm just trying to make a point here. I mean, the Rose Bowl... The ego is through the roof with the Rose Bowl. And here's another thing. I don't even look at these as bowl games anymore. Do you? I mean, the the Rose Bowl, I look at it as the national semifinal game. That's what I'm I'm not thinking about it being at the Sugar Bowl or being at the Rose Bowl. And this is another one of these problems we've got in college football. I'm not sure we can get any of these problems corrected. But this is one of them is continuing to try to involve the bowl games and try to force it down our throats. It's the national semifinal playoff game. These aren't bowl games. A shotgun quarterback sneak. Let's hear from Nick Saban talking about the game's final play and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. We called timeout because we had a bad look. We had a good look on the first one. Uh, They must have known it, but Tommy just felt like the best thing that we could do was have a quarterback run, uh, which was kind of our two-point play, one of our two-point plays for this game. And the ball was on the three-yard line, which is just like a two-point play. So, But we didn't get it blocked, so it didn't work. We didn't execute it very well, and it didn't work. Right, you got a bad snap. You didn't have a lead blocker. I mean, why not the quarterback counter? That seemed to work very well during the game. Or the quarterback power, where you've actually got a lead blocker up in there. You're in the shotgun, running a quarterback sneak at the three-yard line. Talk about dumb. That is as dumb as it gets. And I'll tell you what, Michael Penix Jr. was worth staying up late and watching that. By the way, that game ended at, what, 1, one o'clock? I'm watching postgame at 1.30 in the morning. I know we want to involve the West Coast, but my goodness, no wonder so many people are taking the day off today. <laughs> Trying to get to sleep at 2 a.m. 
Let's hear from Coach DeBoer, the Huskies head coach, bragging on his quarterback after the game. He set the tone pretty quickly and, I mean, just made all the throws. And, and obviously there's other people that have to have to make the plays as well. But, you know, I thought he's just so, so, so good with his feet in the pocket and resetting and, and making throws, uh, you know, things that we know he's capable of doing. And uh, with a good defense like we were facing uh, in Texas today, he had to kind of resort to all the tools that he has and all the skill sets that uh, make him special and make him, you know, in my mind, the best player in college football. Phoenix Jr., man, that was worth staying up late for there. So we get the national championship game coming up next Monday, Michigan and Washington. Be teeing it up. Michigan, as I understand it, a three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half point favorite in the ball game coming in. And I am looking forward to seeing that one, even though I, I did not expect to see those two teams in there. All right, uh, we got Stench coming up in a moment. Uh, just thrilled that Stench is going to join us on the show. I'll tell you why in a minute. Right now, though, I'm ready to talk Falcons football, baby. The Dirty Birds are in our blood. And guys like Buck know what's happening in the huddle. Let's dive into Falcons football on the fan. Yeah, that loss to the Bears up in Chicago over the weekend. Have us sitting at 7-9. and nine. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Our sixth consecutive losing season. And I know we got some of you out there saying, Blue, hold on. Hold on, Blue. Don't say that yet. Because if we can win in New Orleans, get into the playoffs and win that game in the playoffs, we'd be 9-9. Nine and nine. We'd have to win out to have a winning season. Are we going to do that? I would think not. Finale coming up this Sunday, 1 o'clock. Taking on the Saints in New Orleans. Saints a three-and-a-half point favorite. And I keep hearing this talk about the Falcons in the playoffs. What's it going to take to get the Falcons in the playoffs? Got to win in New Orleans on Sunday. And then you need the Bucks to lose to the Panthers in Charlotte. So a Bucks victory would give them the NFC South. Best I can tell, the Charlotte Panthers have packed it in for the season. So I'm going to put the percentage of the Bucks losing in Charlotte on Sunday. I'm going to put that at uh, 0%. Panthers are 2-14 and 14 on the season. They just got shut out against the Jaguars. And their young quarterback, Bryce Young, got sacked like 100 times in the game. They've got no reason to show up and play hard. They don't have a shot at the number one pick. No reason to play. Bucks have already beat them in Tampa earlier this season, game one of the year. Uh, game one in this two-game divisional showdown, 21-18. I would be stunned if the uh, Bucks came up short in Charlotte. There might be 3,000 people at the game. And 2,000 coming up from Central Florida to see the game. Falcons have clinched a sixth consecutive losing season. And the hope is that the Falcons head coach will get the pink slip 
I would have already fired Arthur Smith. I would have already, I would have fired him after the game on Sunday and said, look, uh, Art, uh, don't worry showing up for the charter flight. We'll pay for your return flight to Atlanta, but uh, we're going to have to cut you loose, pal, because you are terrible, awful, and it's time to move on. At the head coaching spot and at the quarterback spot, where the Falcons are woefully short. Got some ideas on what to do a little later. Uh, I would keep Fontenot, though, the general manager. I think he knows a good player when he sees one. So I would hang on to him. But head coach, you got to go. Quarterback, you got to draft a quarterback. None of this Russell Wilson crap. Are you kidding me? Yeah, let's start over at head coach and match it with a young quarterback and his skill set. And let's move forward, please. Six consecutive losing seasons. It's not going to change with Arthur Smith as a head coach. It's totally dysfunctional. All right, coming back on the other side, we got Matt Stinchcomb is going to hang out. And I tell you what, I am so thankful that Stinchcomb, who you've heard all year here on 680 The Fan, had decided to wait until the three biggest college football games of the season are going down. He waited until the biggest games of the year to come on the Buck Blue Show. We'll have that next. Got a little Braves talk coming up about that Chris Sale trade. And we'll hit the Bulldogs and what's going on there. You got the Buck Blue Show here on the fan, 680 and 93.7. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Everybody, 2024 here as we settle in at 680 The Fan for a whole new year of sports talk. We appreciate you very much. And thank you for listening to the Buck Blue Show here on The Fan, 680 and 93.7. So thankful our next guest has waited 
until the biggest three games of the college football season to come on the Buck Blues Show. Let's bring on Matt Stinchcomb. Oh. It's time to talk college football with a damn good dog. Matt Stinchcomb is only on the fan. Presented by Georgia's own credit union, Engineered Solutions of Georgia, ASW Distillery, and Buffalo Wild Wings. Matt Stinchcomb joins us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line as we get the year started. Here on the show. And Stanch, I appreciate you so much waiting to come on the Buck Baloo show until after the national semifinal games go down, right before the national championship game. We hear you all football season here on the fan. And, man, I thank you for taking care of the Baloo show, waiting until the biggest time of the year to come on, brother. Okay. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, man, we need to we need to rearrange things, that's for sure, because uh, – that's not the way it used to be. I used to be a regular on this thing. I, I, I don't get to allocate myself. My schedule is not my own. It's uh, not just my wife that tells me what to do. But I'm excited to be here today, that's for sure. It was an interesting day yesterday, for sure. Boy, man, I tell you, it was a late night, too, brother. I uh, got about yeah. four hours sleep. Uh, so, Stitch, yeah. tell us about the final play of the granddaddy uh, of them all, the Rose Bowl, <laughs> which, again, I'm not looking at these games as – it's bowl games, uh, these national semifinal games, but uh, they keep cramming it down our throat. But but talk, yeah. talk about the final play of the game. So season rides, a national championship on the line for Alabama. They get in the shotgun, and they run a quarterback sneak. I just, yeah, I, 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 a couple of things. So one, the play is... I'm not gonna say the play is there necessarily because you would have had to break you would have to break a tackle, run underneath that the edge defender. Um, but they really accommodated it well. So the, the play that they called, you know, the the pulling guard, it's a read pull. So if the if the edge comes flying up field, which the guy pre snap ends up folding inside, he did the puller a favor really. The puller just got a little wide, but it didn't matter. They Milro just it was almost like he closed his eyes and just ran straight ahead. But that's clearly not where the play was intending to hit. It should have hit at least two gaps wider. And I'm not going to say he's going to walk in, but he's a big, strong runner. You're talking about, you know, uh, a DB who's going to have to retrace and drag him down from behind. Maybe he comes up short, but I'm not sure he does. Well, good snap, uh, good, uh, snap from the center would have helped. Oh, gosh. I mean, every what's crazy is I'm watching this, and, of course, I have to, you know, I'm, I'm watching this as a, just a, an observer, and I can't help but put my Georgia alarm glasses on, and I'm going, boy, some of these bad snaps sure would have come in handy in that SEC championship game. It was the timing was off. The play was, you know, far from perfect, but it could have been executed much better. The quarterback did not do a good job. Quarterback didn't do a good job all night, frankly. Um, and the offensive front did not execute it very well either. Nick Saban talked about it. So it was our number one. We liked it. It was a two-point play. It was from the three-yard line, so we would have liked this play. Or are we going for two? It's a similar circumstance. You know, they called the – I think Texas called the timeout. The Bama called the timeout. So you get a look at a couple of the defenses, and because of that, um, that was the call they liked. It wasn't a horrible call. It was really poorly executed, and you know it looked pretty ugly when it when it finally got the ball finally got snapped, and, and even that was a bad 
poorly executed element. The other issue for Alabama on the other side of the ball, where Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator for Michigan, thought did a masterful job with all the shifts from one formation to another formation, and it seemed like Steele's defense, the secondary, had no idea mm-hmm. who to cover most of the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's several times where communication was a real issue, where even if you're sitting in man, especially when you get in that low red zone area, you know, you're near the goal line, there's not a lot of room to operate, there's tons of traffic, and multiple times they were able to either sneak the back out of the backfield, either up and through the line of scrimmage, or these crossers that come all the way across the formation, and you just get lost in the sauce. Well, multiple times, and I thought they did a good job on the television broadcast of pointing out the attempted communication that just didn't make it where guys were running free. Heck, that Corum touchdown, uh, you know, it was pick your poison. It was either him or I can't remember who the trailing receiver was, but they were both wide open coming from the right side of the formation to the left. It just, it it was like you're too clever by half sometimes. Um, And because of that, um, Michigan was able to to capitalize on it. I, I liked their game plan. I'm with you, especially offensively. But defensively as well, as as aggressive as Michigan was, they didn't look like they were concerned with Milrow beating him with his legs. They were aggressive uh, in their pass rush, and I don't mean just blitzing. I mean with the actual pass rush. They weren't looking to just squeeze. They were running twists and stunts. They were trying to win their pass rush, and they were able to do so repeatedly. They They weren't overly concerned with the fact that, oh, no, this guy escapes the pocket. What are we going to do? It was it – was, um, it was a pretty impressive game plan, to say the least, and, and I think on top of that, well executed, Not despite the sloppy play. I mean, Michigan slopped their way through that game and kind of kept Bama in it multiple times. Yeah, back to Tommy Reese here. Uh, the one thing I just don't understand, and, uh, you know, a lot of this, uh, the criticism's falling on Milrow, and, look, my uh, my education in football, offensive football, uh, from high school at Valdosta High, where we had the best coaches in the country coaching us up, and then in the USFL playing for Lindy Infante, former NFL yeah. offensive coordinator who uh, did a masterful job in that West Coast offense. I mean, the philosophy was if they were going to heat us up in the A-gap with the inside linebackers, then we were going to get a receiver quickly into that spot where the inside linebacker came from. And Milrow in this game had no option to go too quickly. And everybody's criticizing Milrow today. Milrow, he had nowhere to go with the football most of the time. Well, what challenges me, too, is I'm going, we get off the bus throwing. First play is going to be a, a drop back pass. We got a true freshman at left tackle. We got, you know, youth up front versus a defense where, you know, it's definitely an unfamiliar defense to say the least. I didn't. I didn't like the game plan from the very first snap, and um, the idea that you get off the bus and if we're going to be throwing it, you know, you look at Michigan. What did they do the first play? They moved the pocket. It's going to be easy. Cut the field in half. Move the pocket. You can tuck it and run if you want to. And if not, what? Well, we know that that was nearly disastrous. But I'm okay with that one. The, to drop back your quarterback, who uh, let's be real, is not a refined passer, and he isn't. I don't like even putting them in that position. And what happened, of course, there's confusion on the left side, and it's a sack, and now all of a sudden you're throwing the next two downs. 
the whole game, um, I, I did not, I did not think it was a very, I didn't think it was a good approach. And I do think they had opportunity to run the football better. I would have run him more. We saw very little of that QB design runs. Yeah, QB um, counter looked good. Clean. QB power looked good. Oh, man. It, it was just QB sweep. You know, that's what ended up icing the game versus Georgia. They only ran that a handful of times in that game. I, I didn't. I just didn't get it. And and Michigan clearly said, not only are we going to make you a passer, but we're going to make you pass it. I mean, that's the other piece of it. You hear about these defenses versus a mobile quarterback who can run and, you know, is good with the deep ball or is maybe more one-dimensional in the passing game. We want to make him a passer. Sure. But then you got to make him pass it. Ask Auburn. They know. You know, ask Georgia. They know. It's one thing to keep him in the pocket. It's another thing to make him throw it. Michigan did both. And then when he had to finally flush, he couldn't flush up and through that pocket. He had to flush out. I mean, it's just multiple times where clearly – Either he didn't know he was hot or they were going to the wrong linebacker. You have two backers on the inside, and they would slide the protection to one. Well, you got to know you're hot off the other. And it did look like he and the center, uh, McLaughlin, were on the same page all game long. I mean, that center quarterback battery, that thing was disconnected the entire game. It's either a bad snap or in protection. They just were not on the same page. Came down to the final play there in overtime, and then the nightcap, we got the same type of game. Comes down to the final play of the game before it's really yeah. determined. Uh, so dramatic. I, I loved both of the games. Washington coming out of, on top of Texas. I really expected Texas, uh, the Longhorn defensive front, to really dominate the game. I, maybe they, they did get some push and they did get some pressure, but I tell you, Michael Penix Jr., is a magician in that pocket, avoiding the pressure, continuing to throw accurate balls down the field, dropping dimes all over the place. I'd say he was spectacular last night. He really was. I I, I will say that I watched them. I watched them nearly as much as I saw Michigan, especially the the latter half of the year. Um, But I I wasn't overly impressed. It wasn't like that. Not to say that I was sitting there going, oh, this guy's just a Joe. But at the same time, I wasn't in, in any way wowed. And it was Masterful's a fair, fair, fair description of, of the way he played. And the deep ball was just beyond lethal. It was, in many ways, to me, reminiscent of Texas versus Bama week, too, where you're going, this is just, it's, it's one bomb after the next. This guy's, he's unconscious right now. And credit to their receivers. I've heard about that. They're receiving core throughout the year. You know, we see him versus Oregon, and I'm not so sure that, you know, despite Oregon's great performance versus Liberty, which is um, yet again another let's force feed college football and act like these teams are playing with the same resources and, and rosters. But Oregon was never what Oregon was purported to be all season long. So I always just kind of wonder, like, how good are these guys? And they victimized Texas, especially in the first half. Um, and, you know, Texas did a much better job in the second half forcing mostly field goals. But that was enough, you know. It's uh, it was, it was a, it was two games where I know Michigan was favored. Um, I thought Alabama, if they played like they did in the SEC championship, which they very much did not, um, that they would beat Michigan, and it was as close as you could get. And this one was the same way. I was surprised that it was not only as close as it was, but that the ultimate winner was Washington, because I thought that the Lions' of scrimmage would be so tilted towards Texas that it would matter more. 
But Washington and, and Penix also said, you know, forget it. I can neutralize that. We can go over the top. We'll just bombs away. I, I, I didn't see the final count of 20-plus yard plays in that game by the Washington offense. But it had to have been close to double digits, maybe more. Well, it was because it was like 2 a.m. when the thing got over with. So <laughs> so who do you like in the natty? Um, I, I think I like Washington. Uh, I mean, I think I like Michigan. Um, and I think I like it because of uh, – I think they can be more two-dimensional. I like them for the same reasons that I like Texas in this game. I like their lines of scrimmage better. I like that interior – uh, Michigan defensive front almost as much as I liked maybe Georgia's interior defensive front the previous two seasons. And they those guys were way better than I thought they were. Um, so I would take Michigan. Um, but the truth is, is I don't know. I watched a good bit of Michigan the second half of the season. I'm like, this is a solid team. I don't see them. They're not great at anything, um, not from what I saw. Um, and then the other night, you see them play. I mean, first from a pass rush standpoint, they got a lot of the they got a lot of help by a really confused Alabama offense, but um, I would take Michigan. But gosh, this you know <laughs> this Washington team has surprised me three times this season already. Stench, you've had an All-American season, SEC Network, ESPN, <laughs> and again, thanks for saving the best for last here on the Bug Blue Show, man. We appreciate you so much. Buck, thanks so much for having me on, man. Matt Stenchcomb on that Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Let's get to the top five. The best in college football and the NFL. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two, one, one. It's time for Buck Baloo's Top 5. Presented by your locally owned and operated Ace Hardware. Find your neighborhood store at acehardware.com. And joining us today, Amanda Swartz, our social media director. I think I got that title right, didn't yeah, I, Amanda? perfect. Mm-hmm. Holidays were great. They were amazing, yeah. Ready to get 24 started. You've I done an wait. amazing job here at The Fan, by oh, the way. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate you doing the Top 5 today. So, yeah, here we go with a... Uh, Pop quiz right out of the gate today. Yep. Okay, so number one, who should start at quarterback for the Falcons this Sunday, Heineke or Ritter? Heineke or Ritter. I wouldn't go with either one of them. I'd go with Bajon Robinson. And I know there's some people saying, Baloo, you idiot, he's a running back. Well, yeah, I'd go with the Wildcat formation. That's what I would do. Look, uh, Heineke's dinged up. He's got the ankle problem. Part of the reason why he struggled uh, this past Sunday, and I don't want to see any more Desmond Ritter. I've seen enough of him, so I would go Bajon Robinson, and I would go with the Wildcat formation, baby. I like that call, Buck. Okay, number two. Why has Nick Saban slipped at Alabama, and should he retire? Oh, wow, that's a big one. My goodness. (laughs) I believe uh, the reason why Alabama has taken a step back here is that Nick Saban... The coordinators on his staff, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, it's been a revolving door. Every single year, Nick Saban is changing coordinators. And I think it's caught up with him. And I think he's probably been more involved. Uh, When he was a younger man, he's like uh, 74 now. So he's slowing down a little bit. And I don't think his coaching staff is as good as it was during the great days for Alabama during his run in Tuscaloosa. So I'm going to say the reason why he slipped, just look at uh, yesterday. 
Tommy Reese was terrible as the coordinator, offensive coordinator. And Kevin Steele didn't do a very good job defensively either. Why did Alabama lose yesterday to Michigan? Their two coordinators were terrible. Mm. Now, should he retire? Uh, the word is he's considering retiring. So I'm anticipating. I won't be surprised if the word comes down that the GOAT has decided to step down and retire to South Florida. Heads up, uh, Saban is 72. Nobody likes to be aged yeah. older than they are. 72 going on 74. <laughs> okay, next up. Who has done the, be- the best coaching job in this bowl season? Wow, the best coaching job. Um, you know, I'm going to Michigan offensive coordinator, and I didn't know I have a lot about Sharon Moore coming into the playoffs, but I know a lot about him now. He was a player at Oklahoma, played offensive guard, an assistant at Louisville, where Charlie Strong was the head coach. Steve Craigthorpe, I think, also was there. Central Michigan with Dan Enos. I think he learned a lot of what he's utilizing right now from Josh Gaddis, who was at Michigan from 18 to 22. Sharon Moore on that coaching staff. Uh, Gaddis was an innovative offensive coordinator. And Sharon Moore has definitely been innovative, especially in that showdown yesterday. As I just mentioned on the show, they're shifting before the snap of the ball. Totally confused Alabama. They were shifting from one formation to another. And it left the secondary for Alabama, including the linebackers, unsure of who to cover when they snap the ball. So I'm going to say the best job I've seen, Michigan's offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore. He's done a great job. By the way, he filled in when Harbaugh got suspended, too, and did a really nice job. Here's a guy that his, uh, he's trending up. He's going to get a big-time opportunity here sometime soon to be a head coach if that's what he wants to do. All right. Number four, Buck, drop a big key to the national championship showdown. Yeah, so we got Michigan and Washington, and this is the most obvious big game key as we woke up here on this Tuesday morning. Here's the biggest key to the game is Michael Penix Jr. has been spectacular as the Husky quarterback. He's only been sacked 11 times all season. 11 times. That is spectacular. Michigan has had 16 sacks in their last four games. Constant heat on Milrow. So I'm going to say there's the rub right there. Can Michigan sack Michael Penix Jr.? Can they get heat on? You know, getting heat on Penix is one thing. Sacking him's another. I think that's the biggest key to this game coming up next Monday. Mm-hmm. Okay, and number five. Is it true that you got Missouri running back Cody Schrader into the Senior Bowl? Well, it is true that I took offense to the fact that the Senior Bowl had not offered Cody Schrader uh, an invitation to play in the game. And so I got that out on social media. Mm -hmm. And I think it sort of blew up (laughs) where people were as shocked as I was because they've not announced the list for the Senior Bowl yet. Mm. But that was so out of the box, so ridiculous that the best running back in college football this season is not getting an invitation to the Senior Bowl? I had to get that out on social media. It blew up a little bit. Jim Nagy, who is the committee chair down at the Senior Bowl, must have caught wind of that. 
And before the before the day was over, Cody Schrader had an invitation to play in the Senior Bowl. Oh, wow. So I, I may have played a small <laughs> role in that happening. Sounds like it's me, Buck. <laughs> but it's great. He, he totally deserves it. Mm-hmm. And if you're wondering what's going on at the Senior Bowl, well, t- the invitations are really set up by the personnel, NFL personnel people that sort of dictate who plays in the Senior Bowl. And they did not have Cody Schrader as one of the top-rated running backs going into this year's NFL draft because of the measurables. They they can't measure the heart. But uh, he deserves to be there, and it looks like he will be. So, yeah, that I played a small role in that. And there's the top five. Amanda, great job. Thank you. Keep up the great work in our social media department. I will. Everyone follow us. Yeah, I, <laughs> I bet you got a big raise coming into this year. <laughs> On 680 The Fan, Atlanta's sports station. Yeah, she is doing a wonderful job. And she's a busy girl, too, man. She's got a lot to keep track of and a lot of people to get involved. I'm hoping we're going to be able to hang on to Amanda. One thing you can count on this show is some Bulldog talk every day. We're on the air. The Bulldog Roundtable. Here we go. Official sports talk station of the dogs, and it's time for Bulldog Roundtable with Buck Baloo. 25 20, far sideline, 15 10, 5, get in there, touchdown! Bulldog Roundtable is proudly presented by Georgia's own credit union, Georgia Pack and Load, Finley Roofing, and by attorney Ken Nugent. And that's going to be the ball game. Georgia will win this ball game only on the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. How about those dogs, man? The big dog ate. Uh, he was eating down there at the Orange Bowl. The beat down of Florida State, 63-3. to Is Danny Cannell still complaining about that? My goodness. 63-3. to I knew it was going to be a blowout. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. And I'll tell you what I loved about the game was Kirby, in the second half, the Georgia Bulldogs twos and threes. And if you're wondering, twos and threes, what are you talking about? The backups got a chance to play the entire second half. And they laid the hammer down on the Seminoles. Now, it wasn't one of those deals where Kirby said, look, we're going to play the backups, but we're going to take the air out of the football. We're going to quit trying to score. No. And I don't believe any coach should ever do that. When you play the backups, you got to let them go in there and play the game of football. And that's exactly what Kirby did. The twos and threes had a chance to go in and play the game. Run the offense. Throw the ball around a little bit. And just as I suspected is that Gunnar Stockton looks like a player. Or is it playa? Gunnar Stockton. Hadn't had a chance to see him since his days in high school when I was very impressed. Gunnar Stockton put on a really good show in that second half. And he reminds me of the Missouri quarterback, Brady Cook. Same sort of skill set. He can throw it in the pocket. He can throw it outside the pocket. He can scramble. He can run. The players love him because he's humble and a hard worker. Therefore, he can be a leader, which he was in the second half of that game. He's got that it factor. 
He's got the intangibles, and he's got a great all-around skill set. I'm looking forward down the road to seeing more of Gunnar Stockton playing the game at quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs. That quarterback room is in really good shape with uh, Carson Beck coming back for his final year at Georgia. That is awesome for the, the Georgia program. And Carson looked great in the Orange Bowl, too. He throws that crossing route as well as any quarterback in college football today. And the pro scouts love it. Carson Beck going to come back and prove his draft stock and will be a first-round pick in the 25 NFL draft. And that will benefit the Georgia Bulldogs having him back. The backup quarterback spot with Gunnar Stockton's in great shape. He is one play away from being the starter. And Stockton... When the season kicks off next year, we're ready to be a starter on this football team, although he'll be the backup quarterback. And then the uh, the freshman that showed up early, I broke him down in the quarterback club before the Christmas break. And uh, Puglisi, I'm really high on Puglisi. So that quarterback room looks to be in great shape. All right, uh, we got a lot of guys. Uh, we got a handful of guys leaving early for the NFL draft. And I want to say uh, thank you and wish them a, a good luck. A couple of guys that were two of my favorites as far as the Georgia Bulldog team goes. Lad McConkey from Chatworth, Georgia, up there around that Tennessee line. Tremendous player for the Georgia Bulldogs. Moving on, taking his talents to the National Football League made his mark in Athens at UGA. I don't think he'll ever be forgotten. One of the big play guys during this great run that the Bulldogs have had. McConkie wishing you nothing but but success at the next level. And then Javon Bullard over there on that defensive side. Man, I won't ever forget that hit on Marvin Harrison Jr. here in Atlanta in the national semifinal game that secured the victory for the Georgia Bulldogs, allowed them to go back-to-back national champions. Javon Bullard one of the better all-around defensive backs you're going to see. Also uh, heading to the NFL, Lad McConkie, Javon Bullard, wish you well. You're going to be tough to replace. And I enjoyed watching you play the game. And come on the, uh, the Buck Belue Show, too. Both those guys uh, did that during their tenure over in Athens. Uh, we'll be keeping track of this roster and the way it will uh, shake out right now, looks like George is going to have to replace seven offensive starters. And on defense, replace six starters on the defensive side. Am I concerned? No. Have you seen the job that Kirby and his coaching staff has done on the recruiting trail? This won't be, these players won't be replaced by the uh, transfer portal. They scout, they recruit. And they develop. And here's another reason why they beat Florida State 63-3. to Florida State, they're a transfer portal school. Not a lot of team chemistry and loyalty going on in Tallahassee because of it. It's different in Athens where they're building with high school football players. Tremendous loyalty to the program. Tremendous chemistry among the team and teammates. They want to play. In a game like this Orange Bowl that just was played, and you saw the results of that. All right, coming back on the other side, man, I'm going to break down this Chris Sale trade. You know, there's one thing that continues to hold true in sports talk radio, and it relates to this Sale trade. I'll talk about it next. You got the Blue Show here on the fan, 680 and 93.7.
The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President Stacy Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacy's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Rowdy, shorter breaks, huh? Loving it. Giving me a little more time. I have more than 42 minutes of content right now. We'll take all we can get here at the fan. Buck Blue Show, glad you're with me. we get 24 started here. And our, uh, we got Alex Anthopoulos running the Braves, as far as the team goes. And he was busy during the Christmas holidays, man. And he had me thinking he was going to wait until the trade deadline to pick up another starting pitcher. No! Anthopoulos was busy. Let's chop it up. Time to talk Braves. Let's chop it up. Presented by Haug Law Group, your local personal injury attorneys. HaugLawGroup.com. All right, I've learned something through the years, and I uh, learned this as a young quarterback down in Valdosta growing up. I've uh, learned this observing general managers as it relates to Major League Baseball in particular. And I've also learned more of this as it relates to sports talk radio. And the lesson learned is this. You can't please all the people any of the time. And this is what's going on with this Braves trade. Chris Sale coming from the Red Sox to the Braves. Vaughn Grissom going to the Red Sox. And do you know there are some Braves fans that were not pleased with the deal? Uh, you can't make it up. Saying the Braves won't get anything out of Chris Sale. He'll be on the injury list more than he will be in the rotation. That it was a wasted deal. No way this thing's going to work out. And, you know, I'm on the other side of the coin here. Chris Sale, a seven-time All-Star, closed out the World Series in 2018, struck out Machado. Remember that? Then the injuries hit, elbow and inflammation, Tommy John surgery, rib fracture, broken finger, shoulder inflammation, made 20 starts last season. 
was striking out like 11 guys per nine innings. So he's got that nasty stuff, that four-seam fastball at 94-95. He's got that filthy slider, that one-two pitch combination that has made him the seven-time all-star that he is. Also mixes in that circle change and the sinker. He's got that filthy sidearm delivery. And I tell you what, if Chris Sale does not make one start for the Atlanta Braves, I think it was worth the risk. Because Von Grissom had no place in the Atlanta Braves organization. He was a absolute stiff at shortstop. And you saw that at the beginning of last season. He was one of these guys, like you see it in, in youth league and, and little league, where you got these guys, you got in the field, and you can look at them and tell that they're thinking, don't hit that ball to me. And that's what Von Grissom looked like at shortstop last season. Don't hit that ball to me. This is Major League Baseball. He had no position to play. Had never played the outfield. So those of you that were saying, hey, man, he could have played left field. Well, we got Kelnick. We don't need Von Grissom. There was no role for Von Grissom with the Atlanta Braves. So if Chris Sale does not make one start, I think it was worth the risk. And a lot of that has to do with money. The financials on this deal. Chris Sale owed uh, $27.5 million with his uh, contract. The Red Sox agreed to pay, I believe it was $17 million of the 27 mil. So the Braves owed like $10 million and change. And I believe that $10 million of the 10.5 the Braves owe Sale is a deferred payment that comes due way down the road. The Braves also have a club option in 2025 for $20 million. Now, it may uh, influence the luxury tax situation because they still have some arbitration decisions looming with Max Fried and A.J. Mentor that probably are going to amount to about $20 million. So that will add to the total luxury tax situation. But all in all, this was a trade worth the risk. Let's say this thing works out where Chris Sale is not injured. This is the way I see it. You got Strider, you got Freed, you got Morton, and you got Elder. Four guys in your rotation you're going to be counting on this season. You got Sale, one of the five. And what I would like to see at this point in time in his career is for the Braves to conserve during the regular season as it relates to Chris Sale and hopefully have him ready to make some quality starts come postseason time. Who's going to eat up the innings during the regular season? Well, you got Smith Shaver still with the organization. You got Hurston Waldrop, the number one pick out of the Florida Gator program that's filthy nasty with his stuff. You got this uh, Ronaldo Lopez you signed to a three-year contract. He is a former starter that hopefully is going to be in the bullpen, but if not, he can make some starts for you. Those three options can eat up some regular season innings where you can conserve Chris Sale. So he's ready to go postseason time. And there's my uh, chopping it up with the Atlanta Braves deal. Worth the risk. And you can't please all the people any of the time. Let's get to the final word. Time for the final word. Brought to you by Howard Brothers, keeping Georgia green since 1955. 
Wanted to share my Buck Belushio New Year's resolution with you, the listener. Uh, look, working as a show host here at 680 The Fan in Atlanta is a dream job. Once my athletic career ended, I'm one of the lucky ones. Having a job <clears throat> that just doesn't seem like work most, most of the time. Anyway, the resolution is a away from the job is the same thing it was last year. I want to be a better husband and father. Striving to be a better husband and father. But here at work, where I'm getting 42 minutes of content per day, I'm going to continue to keep it real. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and say I know everything about everything. I'm still learning. But I do know football. I know baseball. I know golf. I know basketball. I know sports talk. You knew Ritter, wasn't it? And my promise to you in 2024 is to continue to bring you educated, opinion-based takes five days a week. Thanks for listening. Let's have a great 2024. Nick and Chris standing by, ready to take over next. Stay tuned for that. Appreciate you hanging out today. Let's do it tomorrow here on The Fan. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands, an easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com.